October 25th, 2019 edition of Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. My name is Mr. Joe. This is my neighborhood. This is my life, but this is our podcast journey. Welcome to Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. Hello, everybody. It is awesome to have everybody here with me today. And of course, it's always wonderful to be out there with you as well. And boy, is it ever good to be out there. As a matter of fact, with all due respect, as much as I love every one of you, um, I probably could be placed in the middle of a swimming pool with razor blades down at the bottom of it and, you know, diving in, and I'd probably be happy doing that. Um, And I, you know, and I don't know how I came up with that analogy, but the reason why I say that is because Mr. Joe has been in mania mode for days now. And the ironic thing about it and I know I'm I'm manic. There's no doubt in my mind that I am manic. But the amazing thing about it is my sleep has been relatively good. Now, I'm not going to lie. I don't want to go to sleep at night. And if I dare wake up in the middle of the night, uh, you know, which I did uh, last night, and I really didn't want to go back to bed. It's almost like I wanted to do things. But I chose not to. And I put on a podcast. I laid there and, you know, Within a couple of minutes, I was out like a light again. It's just very, very weird. I don't know, because usually with my mania, you know, that's associated with a lack of sleep. But that has not been happening. So why do I know that Mr. Joe is in mania mode? Well, let's put it this way, guys. It's been a really, really long time since, um, you know, drugs have been in my mind. And the cravings that I've had over the past couple of days, and I will say today, they're gone. So um, not an issue. But, um, you know, telltale sign, guys, when it comes to mania is the craving of the drugs for Mr. Joe. And I, I recognize the fact that my speech has been very quick-paced. But it's also amazing because when I am manic, it does not matter what I am presenting on or what question I am asked. As long as it's relatable to my field I mean, I come up with the answers, and the more manic I am, the better I sound. At least I think. (laughs) You know, for all I know, people are, you know, when I walk out of the room, people are like, what's wrong with that lunatic? So, who knows? Uh, I'll tell you one person who's a lunatic and absolutely insane is Mrs. Mr. Joe's mom. I don't even know if that's the right way to say it, but my mother's out of control, guys. Uh, I spoke to her the other night. And um, my poor sister, she's had it. She really has. The disrespect that my mother has shown her since my father has passed is just... uh, Words cannot even describe how mean she is. And and my sister's really kind of had it, I have to tell you. In terms of me, you know, I'm dealing with it. It makes me absolutely sick. She still has decided to keep in touch with my ex-wife, which means, you know, our relationship, or at least my wife's, relationship with my mother is never going to be repaired and I don't blame my wife and I have to stick by her um, to some degree because 
I think it's disgusting. You know, my mother is so foolish, she has absolutely no idea that my ex-wife is using her just to get information about me and my wife. And, you know, my sister said it the best today. She said, Mr. Joe, brother, when you are talking to mom, make sure and understand that your ex-wife is also listening. And obviously, that's that's not the case necessarily. She's not on the phone. But basically, everything I say to my mother potentially goes back to my ex-wife. And I think it's disgusting. It's, it's really just disgusting. And by the way, I just did a quick check uh, because I had to do a cut and edit. Uh, I actually, this is how I know also I'm manic. I have absolutely no regard for the things that come out of my mouth to some degree because... Um, I believe the word mother came off or got cut off, but essentially uh, my sister said, whenever you talk to our mother, you know, pretend that your ex-wife is listening. And I, the reason why I had to chop some out is because my ex-wife, well, I called her by name. And we're still trying to hide Mr. Joe, okay? You know, we don't need to know who Mr. Joe is just yet. Uh, that day will be coming very shortly, um, but for now, we don't need to know who Mr. Joe is. And it's quite possible that by giving away her name, you could potentially find Mr. Joe. Would it be the worst thing in the world? Absolutely not. No doubt about it um, that there is going to come a time in my life, based on the emails I get, uh, the the help I've pr- provided, but also the help that you have provided me with. Um, it will be essential for Mr. Joe to expose himself, because I do believe in my heart, and I really do. I believe in my heart that that I can make a difference when it comes to speaking. I, 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 I do. And when I say speaking, I mean in a public forum to some degree. That's what I do want to do. And, and not just about autism and behaviors and parent training and, you know, behavior management and uh, applied behavior analysis. I don't, I, it's great. I know that stuff. But I also know bipolar pretty damn well. And the stigma continues. People continue to hide their mental illness. And I no longer... Um, obviously do that by any stretch of the imagination but if i can get out there and help people to understand better understand mental health uh by all means be that support system i would love to do that so eventually mr joe's gonna have to let loose now back to my mother i mean in terms of her insanity i just want to make this be known okay my mother is bringing in about forty nine hundred dollars a month and that's based on my dad's pension, um, on Social Security, all that crap. I don't know anything about it, but you know she she brings close to five grand a month. Now they have no more. They, my, my, God rest his soul. My mother has no mortgage. She has no car. She has no car payment. She smokes cigarettes and eats food barely, and that's about it. And this woman is complaining that she has no money now. Her savings, which is where um, her savings and checking, you know, to some degree, or at least her checking. Her checking is where all the checks go in. They get deposited. You know, I believe she's got about 20 grand in there. Um, You know, there's a savings. God only knows how much money is in there. Uh, There is um, what we call CDs. I mean, there's two of them. You know, we're talking hundreds hundreds of thousands of dollars. You're talking about a pension plan or a retirement plan that, 
You know, when my mom passes, that goes to me and my sister. That's another two hundred thousand dollars. And all my wife, all my um, mother does is complain that she has no money. And I just can't believe my ears. You know, here I am, you know, struggling, literally struggling with an ex-wife, child support, a current marriage, four kids, a household, mortgage, car payments, the whole works. And this woman is alone and has the nerve to complain. Well, here's the deal. Here's what she's complaining about. She wants all that money out of the bank, which thankfully she can't do anything about because my sister and I are on it. She wants to take it out, hoard it, put it in her home, and make sure that myself and my sister do not ever get our hands on that, even when she dies. That is how mean and vicious my mother is. It's um, it's sad. It really is. And, you know, me and my sister, we're just so tired of uh, trying to explain to her what's right from wrong. And, you know, now I just turn around and say, you know what, Ma, it's your money. You do what you want. I, I really don't care. And when I tell her that, she tends to back down a little bit. Uh, but her, you know, her complaining and her moaning and groaning and all that stuff, I got to tell you, I don't know what's worse. I don't know if it's when she's drunk and mentally ill or if she, you know, has stopped drinking and is just mentally ill. I don't know what's worse because, to be honest, she's nasty no matter what. So one thing I will say in talking to her uh, the other night while she was jumping all over the place, bad-mouthing my sister, my brother-in-law, you know, anybody who's done anything to help her, you know, she makes sure she um, insults their, you know, she insults them. Everything that about them she will insult. Um but in in talking to her the other day or the other night, um, probably the most concerning and disturbing thing she told me was the fact that she will be no longer seeing her psychiatrist and she will be going to her primary care physician from here on in to have her medication filled, by the way, which is only an antidepressant, which, by the way, I believe throws her into mania you know, 95% of her life, because I also think she has bipolar disorder. But nobody's managed it, nor has she, and a primary doctor is certainly not going to. He's just going to prescribe whatever she wants. And I didn't say anything to her, because to me, when that went down with me, and I was going to my primary care physician many, many years ago, um, and having that particular person, it was actually my Suboxone doctor, it was not even my primary care while I was having her fill all types of prescriptions for me, that was probably my downfall, if I'm, if I'm being very honest, um, in terms of, you know, me losing it and ending up in a hospital and, you know, the whole story that everybody's been familiar, familiarized with many, many times in terms of me coming off the Cymbalta and, you know, orders of protection and things of that nature. Well, guess what? I had nobody to manage my medication. I managed it by myself, the way that my mother is, and I allowed a, a primary care physician who had no psychiatric background whatsoever prescribing me medication. Medication in which I completely took myself off all of the mood stabilizers, and at some point I was just on, God only knows. You know, guys, I, I got to be honest with you. I was on and off so many times of my medicine in the past that basic bipolar nonsense where we're taking our meds, everything's great, and then we stop and we wonder why we're insane again. Well, that's because the meds were helping and we just never knew it. 
Uh, but, you know, my mother's in for a very, very rude awakening if she thinks that this is going to work, because it's not. Um, and, and I have to tell you, it comes down to this, guys, and I know I've said this a million times over, that my mental health absolutely suffers because of my mother. You know, anybody who... I'm 44 years old, okay? And the fact that when my phone rings and I see a voicemail come up from my mother, the feeling that I get down inside, and, you know, I would imagine this is very similar to what post-traumatic stress disorder will feel like to somebody, but, you know, I, I essentially feel like I'm going to lose my mind. I mean, there's anxiety, there is wondering, there is predictions of what I might hear, there's hesitancy, in terms of listening to it, I've gone days and days without listening, only wondering what was left on that phone. Um, it's not good, guys. I have absolutely no desire to hear her voice. And, you know, when I do hear her voice, it's nothing but jumping all over the place. I mean, you can tell that the woman is absolutely beside herself in terms of her mental health. I, I just cannot begin to tell you how all over the place that woman is and you know, how sick she is. She's, uh, she wants to die. I mean, she canceled her upcoming doctor's appointment that was supposed to look into her body and figure out where the internal bleeding has come from. She wants no part of it um, because the doctor who was setting it all up said this was all precautionary because as far as he's concerned, nothing was wrong with her. Meanwhile, she told us her primary care physician called her at the on the phone at home and said she is bleeding from her esophagus, her stomach, her rectum, and she probably has cancer. <laughs> well, you know, my sister went on the visit with her to the doctor and everything was fine. And, you know, they do want to do a follow-up test just to make sure, but uh, my mother flipped out like a maniac when she got home, and I'm not going back, I don't like them, meanwhile, my sister said their bedside manner, they were wonderful, beautiful people there, trusted in them, and you know, my sister's a nurse, and she knows a good medical facility when she sees one, but my mother no longer wants to go to this doctor, and I know why, she didn't hear what she wanted to hear, she wants to hear that she's dying, she does, she doesn't want to be here anymore. She's not about to kill herself. Uh, I believe that to be the case, mainly because she's not crazy enough yet. Um, at some point, I wouldn't be surprised if her chemicals do get so out of whack that it brings her to the point of suicide. But right now, she's too aware of things around her and too all over the place. And I do know that in terms of her religion, she is a very deep believer in the fact that if you commit suicide, you're going to hell. <laughs> and, um, you know, that's what, that's what I was always told growing up. My parents always told me, you know, like, if you're going to kill yourself, you're never going to heaven. That's what they used to say to me. So, um, and I do know this, she wants to see my dad again. So if she believes that if she kills herself, she's going to hell, um, well, you know, she ain't going to see my dad. And whether or not I believe that is, you know, it, it, again, it was pounded into my head. So, so to some degree, because for years and years, you know, I'm not talking five years. I'm talking my entire life. I was told that you go to hell if you commit suicide. And I'll tell you, when you're in the midst of, you know, some kind of a, of a phase where you are vulnerable to 
killing yourself, you really don't care if you're going to heaven, hell, or, you know, purgatory. None of it matters. Doesn't matter, guys. Um, which is why I know right now, she, I, while she's not even close to stable, my mother, um, I don't think she's in that suicide territory yet. You know, as she begins to push more and more people away, I believe her chemicals will be more um, messed up. The fact that she's no longer accepting help from a psychiatrist will only add fuel to the fire. And, um, you know, dealing with the death of her husband. And it's still relatively new, guys. I'm thinking about the holidays coming up, and it's not going to be easy. I'm certainly not looking forward to them in terms of missing my dad. You know, I just it's going to be the first time that I really ever deal with anything when it comes to death and losing a very special person close to me. So it's strange, um, to say the least. But, you know, it is what it is. Uh, my my older daughter had asked me a couple of weeks ago if, if we could go to the uh, the uh, cemetery to see Grandpa because she was not present for the wake and the funeral. And, um, you know, I have no problem doing that, obviously, but my daughter also needs to show her face. And once again, here we are on my weekend. And guess what? The kids want to be with their friends. On top of that... My moronic ex-wife, and I, and I have really had it, guys. This is now the second time that she has made this young man, my son, a doctor's appointment by her house, well, my house that she lives in, um, an eye doctor appointment on my weekend. I don't understand. None of it makes sense to me. For, for what reason, you know? Um, so, I, you know, I just don't get it. I don't know. Now, here is a very, very interesting piece of information that I'm going to convey to everybody out there. You are actually now listening to me on a different day than you originally listened to myself for the first 18 minutes of this podcast. So in other words, you have a continuous episode of Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast that has more or less been merged into two. So in other words, we are now past every single thing that I just spoke about. And sadly, I don't remember any of what I did speak about. The only thing I remember is the ending because I was just reminded of it because my software allows me to merge and simply saying that once again for my weekend, uh, my ex-wife pulled her nonsense on me. Um, and it just so happens that my kids, they did have both have parties with their friends and they really wanted to be there. So I understand that. So, um, you know, I ended up missing out on my two older children uh, this weekend. So it is what it is. And I know you've heard me say that quite sometimes, uh, quite quite a lot of times. Um, but here is the difference in terms of, and I don't know if there is much of a difference, because again, we're talking a few uh, days back, possibly even last week. I mean, what are we at? Wednesday now? Uh, we're, we're right at Wednesday on, let's see, on the 30th, October 30th, and I believe it was the 25th or the 26th that I originally recorded the first 20 minutes of this episode, and um, I don't really know what to name it, now that I think about it, but I had to stop at that mark. Uh, because I was needed for an emergency at work while I was on my break, so I had to cut my break short, and I ran in. 
I saved the first 18 minutes as what we call a draft, and um, now I am creating an entirely new podcast, but combining or merging the two of them together. Well, listen, I could have played a game with everybody and pretended it was still whatever day it was in terms of when I um, originally started speaking on this podcast, but I don't know. It just seemed to be so dishonest, and I also thought it would be interesting to see exactly what changes have occurred over the last few days and how they compare to each other in terms of an actual podcast. And I got to tell you, I am going to be going back on this podcast and listening because I believe that it's going to give me some insight onto what's going on in my mind. Because here's the deal, guys. And again, I don't know what I said the other day. I would imagine that I was in hypomania Um, this has not happened in a very long time, but I will tell you, uh, again, it's Wednesday. The last time I slept was Monday night into Tuesday morning. So regular night sleep for the most part. Uh, yesterday I went all day, got home at night. Um, you know, well, I got home, my my wife left for work. I was with the kids till about eight 30 or so, eight o'clock. And, um, you know, I was moving and going all day, and I got to tell you, I, I said to myself, man, I'm tired. I can't wait to get to sleep. But at the same token, you know, I'm tired, but I'm not. And I just kept making myself believe that come 9, 10, 11 o'clock, my body was going to shut down and I'd be able to sleep. Well, at 2 a.m., I decided, and, and listen, there was some extra additives that contributed to this sleepless night, like my son waking up at 1.30, and, but really, that's kind of common, and I'm usually able to go back to sleep. Well, guys, by 2 a.m., I realized that it was useless to even think about it. I had way too much energy. I mean, guys, this is the height of mania without, thankfully, all that irresponsible, idiotic nonsense that we engage in when we are highly manic. I'm not irritable at all. Um, I will say this, okay? I am probably more sexually um, interested in my wife, and not that I've ever lost sexual interest in her, but of course medication has played a role in my wife and I's relationship, not to her, you know, not her fault, but mine. And, uh, you know, that's changed. That's changed. I'm, I'm on a little bit of testosterone now to up... You know, the levels that are, are very low, I have to be very careful with that. This is something that you have to manage appropriately because too much testosterone will put somebody into mania. Thankfully, I am not, um, you know, on too much testosterone. The levels look good right where they need to be, maybe a little bit high. Maybe that explains it. I, I don't know. What I will tell you is, though, I did not sleep last night. And in terms of my sexual pr- um, desire, it has never been higher never been more intense. I I honestly can't remember the last time to the point where my wife's probably getting tired of it, (laughs) you know? Um, and that doesn't mean that things happen every single night because they certainly don't, you know, with two children in the household at least seven days a week. And then another two children for a total of four in the household for at least three days a week. Um, you know, your chances for a sexual encounter are oftentimes, unfortunately, not able to transpire. No, I've been finding a way, man, okay? And when I say finding a way, I never have a problem finding a way. I've been finding a way to convince my wife 
um, into doing things that, you know, she normally wouldn't do. Uh, and, uh, and I don't mean like weird positions and all that crap. That didn't sound right. But basically, you know, acting like a 19, 20 year old, I don't think my wife is ready for that. And that's how I've been feeling lately, like a little horny little rabbit running around and, you know, um, again, I don't know what kind of a comparison or um, <laughs> that that just was. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm actually making myself chuckle today. But anyway, I, I have to tell you that I actually went into my office today, and I have one, I have three office members besides myself, two, two women who I love, I adore them, and this uh, gentleman who is actually part of the IT department, I love him too, young guy. Um, all of them, of course, are younger than me at my 44-year-old age. Everybody I seem to meet, I mean, Jim is like 20-something. The other ones are, you know, Jim is the IT guy. And the other ones are, you know, in their 20s, late 20s, low 30s. So, but anyway, they're very mature and they're a great part of my team. It's actually, other than IT guy, it's the three of us that run a school. And when I say run a school, we run every aspect of it. Not from an academic standpoint where we stand in front of a classroom, we manage every single one of these children's behaviors, and there are at least 180 kids in the school currently with more coming. Um, it's a very special school. Nevertheless, there's three of us managing applied behavior analysis, behavior management, academics through applied behavior analysis, uh, myself, parent training, staff training, you know, a lot, a lot of stuff going on, guys. Um, and I love it. I love each and every second of it, but I'll tell you this. I'll go back to my original statement. My office mates, when I came in this morning, I, you know, I'm very close with them, and I made it a point to let them know how my night was. Uh, you know, and they understand I've been very, very um, outgoing and, you know, um, in terms of my mental illness, but I did say to them, I said, guys... I said, I don't think any of you will have a problem doing this, but at some point, if you feel like my talking is out of line, you know, too fast, too much, too annoying, too, um, you know, I don't know, to the, to the wrong person saying the wrong thing and, you know, saying too much or not holding anything back. And I, I am that kind of person anyway, manic or depressed, whatever. I, I let you know how I feel, and I'm sure you could all imagine that, but... There's a whole nother level in terms of taking it where, you know, you should not when you are manic. And I was insightful and aware enough that I needed my co-worker friends to let me know when I needed to be tamed. And thankfully, thus far, um, I have never, ever had to be tamed today as of yet. Um, but that's the story, guys. So here we are, another nine minutes into our podcast, which... I think the last one I said was 18 minutes. So you guys are listening to a very long podcast, although it seems to me like I have not been talking very long. Um, I just want to follow up on my mom because as I was going through this pod, the previous podcast to kind of um, merge these two, um, you know, you stop at special parts and uh, I happened to hear something about my mother wanting to die. And uh, that's changed since the last time we, were, we, were, we recorded. Now what she wants is to take every single dime that my father left myself and my sister and our children, and of course my mother, but things that are you know locked away, CDs, 401ks, things that she is not supposed to touch, and when she passes away, we're supposed to get. Well, she has now indicated to us 
that she will be withdrawing all of the money, taking every last cent, because now she wants to first hire a homemade, and then she will be exploring assisted living options and utilizing all the money to do so. Now, she does not need assisted living, as far as I'm concerned. She could probably get by with a nurse, okay, at home. I mean, but here's the interesting thing. What she said to my sister was, oh, well, too bad for you and your brother. Oh, and that was followed up by, well, you know what? If your brother didn't abandon me, then um, things would be different. Guess when I spoke with her? Monday night. It's Wednesday. Monday night, like 9 o'clock, while my wife was out working, and I was struggling to get my kids to bed, and I put both of them on my lap in my bed. You know, you're talking a two and a seven-month-old, two-year-old and a seven-month-old, and I'm talking to this woman, shushing my kids, trying to get them to behave, listening to her nonsense for probably close to 45 minutes, yet I have abandoned this woman. Now, I don't want to be vicious, guys. You know, my attitude all along, and it continues to be, for the most part, towards my sister about my mom, you know, it's her money. It's her money. Whatever she wants to do with it, she could do with it. I really don't care. But over the last... 15 minutes, <laughs> I've had a change of heart. And, you know, this is, a, again, this is indicative of what mania could do to us. Because I am now, I, I essentially I went from, you know, being that reasonable, like understanding, hey, money ain't everything kind of thing, to an aggressive, equally as vicious, ungrateful, revengeful type of person, which is what I was always as when I was highly irritable and manic. I just never realized it. Now I recognize it. But, you know, when my sister told me this, I'm like, you know, I accepted it at first. Yeah, it's, it's her money. Common statement. Then I thought about it. And I said, I'm so sick and tired of this woman. And, you know, then I told my sister, I hate to say it, but if you, if you believe in heaven and hell, there's only one place she's going, and that's hell. Because my father would be so... He would just be so taken back and so heartbroken to know that my mother was doing everything in her power to keep that money away from us, to, to, to make sure that we didn't have it easy to send our children to college. Meanwhile, they didn't give me any money. I'm still paying student loans off. You would think that a parent would say, oh, my poor, they don't even know that I have student loans. That's the God's honest truth. But you would think that, you know, my mother would turn around and, you know, got to take care of those kids. You know, I'm going to live and die in this house just so my grandchildren could get their money. Well, guys, it is, again, I know I say this a lot, it is what it is, but here comes the vicious Mr. Joe. And again, how vicious is it? Because if I'm sitting here kind of plotting and planning and recognizing the fact that it is mean and nasty and revengeful. But I turned to my sister. I said, one, she's going to hell. Okay. And two, guess what? We are on every single bit of financial stuff that my mom is on, meaning my name, my sister's name and my mother. She can't do a damn thing without us. Now, when she passes away, obviously we don't have to worry about what she wants or does because she's not there and everything becomes ours. But I viciously said to my sister, you know what? And I, and I just, in the beginning of the conversation, it was, it's our money. 
And at the end, I thought it was especially after the whole abandonment thing, which is clearly her borderline personality. Um, I said, you know what? I go, I'm done being nice. I said, little does this lady know that she can't go anywhere, do anything, or take any money out of anything without us being there, approving it, signing off on it, whatever it might be. And you want to know something, guys? And I'll probably have a change of heart again when I come down a little bit. But right now, she's not taking out anything. Sorry. My sister told me she's a nurse, so she knows. She said it costs about seven. In Mr. Joe's neighborhood, it will cost you anywhere between like seven and $8,000 a month to live in an assisted living community. So every... You know, you're talking, what, two, three years, every bit of money would be gone. I, I can't, do, can't do the math, guys, you understand that. But we're talking, you know, a home in Mr. Joe's neighborhood, a beautiful home that smells like smoke and would have to be completely repainted and redone and stripped down to bare bones, but a nice home that is completely paid off, and it won't matter because that'll be gone too. So we get no house, we get no... You know, my dad had saved, put away like $200,000 in his uh, 401k just to make sure that my sister and I and our kids were taken care of and that uh, apparently my mom wants that gone. So she is a very vicious, horrible, mean woman who is mentally ill and I want to forgive because she is mentally ill but at the same token, guys, I'm done in the sense where she no longer wants to help. She never did, but it's even worse now. She has no desire to help herself. She has no psychiatrist. She's going to her primary care physician. I probably said this on the last podcast or in this podcast because it's ringing a bell right now, you know, getting all the medicine from her primary, which, by the way, I feel like strangling him. I honestly feel like going, and I apologize if I said this already, but I, I feel like going into the office and saying, hey, you know, you got on an antidepressant, great. Can I ask you a question? What do you do when she's manic? What is she on? I don't know. When does she have mania? Well, that's the point, dummy. Now, this didn't happen, but that's what would happen. Like, what is your answer as a primary doctor? You can't sit there and say she's not manic, okay, because you're not around her all the time, and her symptoms she does not describe accurately or honestly, and if you did have an opinion on mania, well, man, I mean, not for nothing, it's not within your wheelhouse and you're not allowed to say anything. You're a primary doctor, and I'm not demeaning a primary doctor. They're smart. Many of them are, you know, many of them are idiots, but, you know, most of them, you know, they got through something. They got through school. They passed the test, whatever they're doing. You know, look them up on Google. You'll know whether or not a doctor is good. But one thing that is common between all primary care physicians, as far as I'm concerned, is they need to take their hand out of the medication distribution for mental health. Because no primary care physician should be even allowed to make a determination on whether a person is experiencing mania, has true depression, and so interesting, my, my sister said to me, she goes, because she followed up with my mother about, and I definitely did speak about this, I probably in the beginning, because I remember saying that I wasn't going to say anything to her yet, but my sister did, and my mother's answer was, I saw something on the news, 
You can go to a primary and they'll fill anything you need. And they're more than capable of doing my medication for my brain. Okay? Her and her Paxil. That, you know, finally she's starting to feel the effects of because she uh, drank for 25 years and never really, uh, you know, knew, knew what it felt like. I mean, man, when she went over her dose, because the doctors upped her, she was like a maniac. She couldn't take it because she has no, no understanding of how medication works because she was bombed her entire life. And here, here's what it comes down to, guys. You know, medication, and I am not by any stretch of the imagination saying go out and drink, okay? But once in a blue moon, if you're on medication and you do not have an, um, you know, you're not an addict, and you never have been an addict, have a glass of wine, you know, and again, I'm not encouraging this. And, you know, once a week, once a month would be my preference for everybody out there, okay? It might seem a little ridiculous, but you know what? For those of you who are in Mr. Joe's shoes to some degree, um, you'll understand exactly what I'm saying. But in the end, if you are on medication daily, such as Mr. Joe, and you are drinking daily, what, what is the point of taking medication? Because, guys, that's when it doesn't work. You know, once a month, glass of wine, too. And I'm not saying, i got to let you know, it doesn't mean you're out of the woods. Okay, You may have a glass of wine, too, depending on what medication you're on. You may vomit your brains out. You, know, you may become depressed the next day. I mean, man, I, I, I tell you, talk about depression. I remember back in the day when I would drink heavily, which was six days a week. On that seventh day, my depression was so bad that usually, let's say it was a Sunday, my depression was so bad, by Monday it was even worse, by Tuesday I was coming out of it, and at that point that's when I'd probably start drinking again, because I'd say to myself, whoa, you didn't drink Monday, you didn't drink Tuesday, whoa, 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 and you know, I'd make up for it, and then the cycle would continue, and I'd be all depressed again. So that used to have a real effect on me, guys. Really, really did. Um, okay, anyway, I don't know where we're at. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what the name of this podcast is going to be, but when I do hit stop, when I do hit stop, I will um, absolutely, 100%, obviously, come up with a name. <laughs> and again, I don't know. I have no idea, guys. Um, but. We'll come up with some. It might be Mr. Joe's rant. Who knows? Because that's actually what I feel like I have been doing is ranting and raving this entire time. Anyway, guys, if you want to speak to me, reach out MrJoeBP at Yahoo.com. Or you can find me on Twitter at Mr. Bipolar Joe. Now, for those of you who have a mental illness and you're doing well, please continue to work hard. If you love or you care about somebody with a mental illness or an addiction, for that matter, please continue to support that person in the very best way that you know how. And if you are struggling right now with a mental illness, please continue to fight, continue to battle, guys. And most importantly, soldier on. Love you guys. Miss you all. God, man, I just got the chills thinking about how much I miss doing this. Have a great day, guys. Talk to you again real soon.